Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Shai Goodbye, co-founder and CEO at Trust Me, to the show today. Shai, welcome. Hi. A pleasure to be here, and thank you for hosting me. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's dive in. Tell us a little bit about your background. So I started my career long time ago. I'm 40 years old, but I am basically, when I was young, I had two main passions. One, professional handball player. But in my free time, I really like to disassemble, assemble computer electronic devices. When I was young, my dad didn't like it because I only disassemble things, didn't learn how to put it back. <laughs> but later on, I started to assemble it back. Also started to do hacking. When I was 13 years old, started to do hacking. And when I was 18, I went to the military, went to the intelligence corp. This I've been there for eight years. In the intelligence, I, after finishing my service, I decided there was a much bigger challenge than playing offensive. So I thought, what would be the biggest challenge? And then I thought about defense side. So I always like to say that basically when you're on the attacker side, you have to find one vulnerability and exploit it. But when you are on the defense side, you need to control everything, know everything, and it's much bigger challenge. So at that point, I thought about what will be the most targeted organization, thought about a bank. I joined Israeli Discount Bank. It's the third financial institute in Israel and did different roles there. Really enjoyed the innovation, playing with technology. And I learned that my passion was basically solving business problem using technology. So after eight years at the bank, I decided that I want to change my career. And my passion was solving business problems. So I thought, let's learn how to build my own company. So I was on my role from the security side, crossed the line to the dark side, to the vendor side. Went to eight, six years period into a cybersecurity startups, basically learn how to build my own company. And two years ago, I started the journey, trust me. Okay. I love that background. That's, that's quite the progression, quite the experience. So yeah. Uh, yeah, love that. So let's talk a little bit about Trust Me then. What products and services does Trust Me offer? Sure. So when I was at the bank, I saw different cases of fraud. I did a lot of work and built a unit that basically focused on that. One of the cases that I saw was B2B payment fraud. Basically, when we're doing B2B payment, there are a lot of different transactions. And as you know, there is a big disruption today in payment in general. But it's mostly focused on the consumer side. Think about how we're doing payment as a con consumer. The only thing that you need is basically your phone and that's it. But when you're speaking about corporate payment, much more complex game and not so disruptive anyway. So one of the use cases that I saw there was the B2B payment fraud. And basically when we started to dig down to that to see what's going on, we came to a report that mentioned that by 2020, there was a reported loss of $32 billion, and that's caught my eye. I'm like, okay, it sounds like it become a much bigger problem than I, I recognize it. And we started our own market validation because, you know, after being in the vendor side, you don't buy anything that you see in the report. So we wanted to proper validate it ourselves. So we started the process and we originally thought that only the CFO owned the problem. So we started to approach CFOs. At the first three months, we were able to speak with something like 150 CFOs, mainly in the US. I would say 70% were SMBs, 20% was SMEs, and 10% big enterprises. And basically, we wanted to learn how they operate, what they're doing, and anything that they can contribute to our business. 
But uh, at the end, we wanted to answer three main questions. What are they doing today? Is that a priority for them? If so, what they, how they address it today? And third, did they suffer any significant loss? And it was super interesting because everyone told us top priority. Each time that they wire big money, they are missing heartbeat because basically wire money is scary. So then I'll ask them, okay, so what, what are you doing today? And everyone told us manual controls and processes, like for example, callback procedure and stuff like that. Nine of 10 companies admitted to us that they suffer a significant loss in the last few years and tell us a lot of stories about how it happened. And then we got through to a meeting with someone that connected to us from the FBI and we asked them about that. And they told us that the report that we've seen, it's only the reported cases. They estimate that the real numbers are much, much higher than that, at least 10x or something like that. Because think about it, there is no regulation that's saying that you need to disclose when something like that happens. Second, there is no real motivation because to get the money back, it's very difficult and most of the time you don't see it back. So basically, most of the cases are not being reported. So if you try to think about $300 billion loss each year, that's a huge problem. And that's what caught my eye. And I'm like, I saw it happening in the bank and I thought, can we solve it from what we know from cybersecurity and try to address it in a way that will work? So that's how we started. Yeah, love that. And tell us about the payment flow. Is this, say, me as a CFO paying a vendor or is it me receiving payments from my customers? Tell me about the, this B2B payment flow that you're protecting. So we'll focus on the account payable side. You're paying your vendors. So just to give a few examples. So, of course, the most common co a case will be social engineering, business email compromise. Basically, one of your suppliers will be compromised. The attacker will basically exploit it and will use that to impersonate and ask to change bank account. And it's happening across the world, right? It's uh, happened to Google and Facebook. One of their uh, uh, vendors in Taiwan was compromised. They asked to change the bank account and they lost $100 million, just like that. So it's something that happened a lot, but that's on the volume side. We've also seen a lot of other cases, like ERP attack. One case that we've seen recently is uh, basically the attacker compromised one of the treasury or finance members. Usually the, uh, the ERPs are not the highest uh, security, especially if it's all premise or something like that. So basically they got access and they just changed dozens of bank accounts to fraudulent accounts. And in that specific company, it was a... Uh, very long payment terms. So usually when do you know that something went wrong? When your uh, supplier is going to call you and say, hey, you, you know what? We didn't get paid. What's going on? And in that, in that case, it take, took them like seven months to learn what happened and they lost $25 million, just like that. Okay. And then we saw insider fraud and we saw another attack and different attack. And basically it's all about how organization doing payment and to protect the organization funds. Okay. Yeah. And that makes a ton of sense. And, and where does your tech fit into that flow of payments as a CFO, if I'm initiating a payment to a vendor, you know, is it integrating somewhere? Is it a, a step in the process? Tell me where that fits in. So that's a great question because basically what we ask ourselves is why it's happening. What's happening today that if we change it, we can really solve the problem. So we take a look about how B2B payment flow works, okay? And as you know, B2B payment is a very complex process. It's involved a lot of different people inside the organization, outside the organization. 
most of the communication use unsecured channels such as email portals and so on but it's also especially in big enterprises include a lot of different systems and each one of them are usually siloed and at the end manual validated so it's like a very complex process that each part doing their own thing and pussy, uh, uh, passing the ball right but no one really connect the dots to make sure that the process itself was intact does that make sense to you mm, yeah and that's exactly what they attack i talk really like They can literally compromise the process throughout the different stages and no one will notice. So we thought, okay, those organizations have a lot of system. They have a lot of data already available because, you know, especially final say system, you need to keep everything for seven years and everything like that. And we ask ourselves, what do we know very well from cybersecurity that we can use and utilize to that case? So we know how to connect different data sources. We know how to ingest a lot of data, and we know how to make the sense out of that. So basically, we developed the first end-to-end B2B payment security solution, where a SaaS software that basically integrate the end-to-end of the B2B payment flow, leveraging the historical data that your organization already have, and create fingerprint and baseline to what's legit and what's not, and detect any deviation across the chain. So... At the beginning, I told you about our market validation and we spoke a lot of finance people. So part of what we learned from that process was, first, finance people are super smart. They are really good with numbers and they are very strict on processes. So we learned that key for our success need to be low touch because usually you know about IT deployment like ERP project, very big, very long and very expensive. So we wanted to do something that will be frictionless. So our deployment is end-to-end one week. And second, easy to use. Okay? We are not necessarily speaking with um, cybersecurity expert that you can b- give them all the bits and bytes and all of that. So it's need to be very easy to use. And last but not least, streamline. Your process, your way. So we are monitoring the entire process, but we are not changing the way that you're doing your business. And that's why we decided that our mission is securing payment seamlessly. That's great. Especially selling to CFOs, love that time to value. So really quick, low touch, it's in, you know, seeing value of the product. So I love that. Uh, so what oh, year? Just as one point on that. So yeah. So I was keen about value. When we decided to build a company, I was keen about solving big problem and second value. So I asked myself, like, how we can demonstrate our value immediately? And then I'm like, okay. So we are leveraging the historical data to train the system. Can we already show you what happened in the past? So that's what we're doing today is to show the value. We're leveraging the historical data that we're turning the system and coming back a week later with first available portal that you can see everything, how it's going and be part of the payment flow and protect you for the future, but also quantify for you what already happened, how much money you already lost. Mm-hmm. And if and the proof is in the pudding because if we can show you that you didn't tell us nothing and we detect any fraud that happened without any, any knowledge before that, that is the proof that we can eliminate it in the future. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's great. You know, so I, yes, as a CFO by trade, yeah, if you could come back with historical data and provide insights into historical data, you know, I think a lot of CFOs love that. So, so what year did you found TrustMe? We st- so basically, we founded Trusty, Trust Me on November 21. Well, 
always believe that we are in the junction between cyber and fintech. So we started on the cyber side. We close our seed on November 21 with Gileo Anan, Cyberstarts. It's the best VC for cybersecurity. And later on, we continue to grow the company, build a solution, build it to scales. Uh, our GA was in September 22. We started to do a commercial sale. We closed a couple of paying customers. And with that in mind, we went to the next round, to CSA. That happened in January 23, and in the beginning. And basically, that time, we wanted to add someone that come from the fintech world. And that's why we let Owens have to lead this round. He's, I think he's the best VC in the fintech arena. And till today, we raised $21 million. Okay. All right. So 21 million raised to date. So it sounds like, was it, so 4 million seed round, mm -hmm. uh, 17 million I mean, uh, series A that just happened in January. And then it sounds like bringing together best of both worlds as far as the investors. So you had the initial cyber security investor and now fintech investor. So that makes a lot of sense. And uh, do you guys have a headquarters location? Or are you guys virtual? No, no. We big fan of culture and DNA, all of that. So we have office in Tel Aviv. That's the headquarter. An additional office in New York. We're coming to the office, not working remotely, and doing a lot of fun while we're doing and building an amazing solution. Yeah, definitely. And tell me, what's your current team size? So we have 40 employees at the, at the moment, 32 in Israel, engineering, and 8 here in the U.S. go to marketing. Okay. Okay. So engineering in Israel, so, and then go to market in the U.S. and New York City. Yeah. And then anything? Anything you want to share around your ARR or revenue range? So we already passed the 1 million ARR and looking forward to grow it. Oh, that's awesome. Big, yeah, big, big milestone there. And then, you know, of course, selling to CFOs. We heard in 2023, or at least early on, this was the year of selling to the CFOs. We got to justify the software, you know, the software that's in place or software that we may purchase. So tell me a little bit about your go-to-market motion to find CFOs. So first, I, I totally agree with that. Like, especially when you're speaking with finance, you need to justify why you're doing it. So in our, in our case, and again, that's also part of the reason that we went with the historical analysis, organization today losing money every year today. We are saving that. And that's part of the ROI game. If I'm coming to the organization and show him that I can save him a lot of $100, 200K, million of dollars, depends on the organization volume and so on. So it's easy deal to do after that. And that's why we start usually first, let us quantify the value for you. And then let, let's take the decision moving forward. Okay. And that makes a ton of sense. And, and how are you finding these CFOs? Are you emailing them, calling them? Conferences? Tell us, tell us how you're getting in front of CFOs who can be hard to find because they're in their cube or in their office, closing the books, doing forecasts. So how are, how are you getting in front of CFOs? So we're still working on that, but basically we use different methods, of course, cold calling and so on. It's also uh, one of them, but joining relevant uh, places, places that are good events. We're going to try a few of those like AFP, Money 2020, any place that we think that a uh, finance executive will spend their time that's the place in, that we are going to be there. Yeah, but again, yeah, but we just started, we launched the company of, out of stealth only on uh, last July. So commercially marketing, we just started. 
Okay. And mentioning stealth. So I like to ask that. So there are a lot of different reasons for stealth and some people just don't believe it in it at all, but tell us, you know, why you decided to go the stealth mode. So I think that once you launch a company, everyone focuses on you. Everyone's try to better understand what you're doing, how it's work. So it's also competition, but also what do you have to show? So I didn't want to come with, you know, a website that say nothing. So when we started the process, we wanted to first create a very good market validation, make sure that we understand the problem, who's going to be the buyers, what value are we going to show them? While we did it, we did a lot of meetings. So I mentioned at the beginning, the calls that we did before even we started the walking and funding and all of that. But from the moment that we did the first seed, we grew our market validation dramatically. We spoke with hundreds of customers, now started to be much more big enterprises, different type of companies. And not only with finance people, we spoke with CIOs, with CISOs, with CFOs, of course. And we really wanted to learn a lot while we are building the solution to fit the market needs. So I think that part of the idea was that once we launch the company, we're going to have already a working product with a good logos that are already using our solution. So that's what happened. Today we have more than 10, 10 customers. Most of them are Fortune 500 organization, names like Colgate Automotive, and CNA Insurance, and others. So basically, that, that's what we wanted to do. And once we have it and we felt that we are ready, then we did the launch of the company. And then the question, you know, usually when you come as early stage company, everyone is are like, ah, you know what? I'm not sure you are early stage. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. But if you have good record with production, customer that can be a reference for you, that's a different story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I love that. And then, so you mentioned, so you've raised 21 million today. So seed in, in series A, and then tell us about any triggers or milestones that either led you to that seed round or to that series A that said you were ready for capital or ready for more capital with a series A. Yeah. So I think that we, we weren't the traditional founders, meaning we didn't went to just uh, raise money on the seed before we haven't have nothing. We had like six months of validation that we want to prove ourselves that that is a bigger problem. And also there is a concept of technology that can, that was the milestone that we decided to start to do the funding. And the third day is basically when we felt that we have a market fit, basically product market fit. And that's basically when we have a GA working, already working, and we were able to sell it to a few customers and work in production. So that was the, basically the trigger to do the next one because then we wanted to start working and focus on go-to-market team. Before that, I was the only one that did go-to-market. And now we have a team of eight. So the idea right now is to see that that's working, see that the playbook that we think is working, that the sales is repeatable and, and predictable, and then probably we'll do the next one. Okay. So it sounds like, so with that series A, it sounds like you felt that you had product market fit, mm -hmm. you know, you had the repeatable motion that now that you can start scaling that up with your yeah. kind of go-to-market team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Great. And then, you know, 
for other founders out there right now who may be thinking about a seed round or maybe that next round in the form of Series A, any fundraising lessons that you could share from either of those fundraising rounds? Yeah, I think, again, once you come with proven record, meaning, again, I, I'm the f first time ent entrepreneur, right? So for me, doing my homework, doing a lot of market validation, speaking with a lot of potential customers, really listen. And that's the out part because as a founder, you're always loving your ideas and you, you want to be able to listen and make sure that you understand properly what's the market want and how you can really solve the problem. That's one thing. And I think that happy customers, happy customers that see the value and they see the solution working, that's the most important part because they will be happy to be your advocate for the next funding. And I'm keen about value. I told you that in the beginning. So that's, for, that's my lessons. And with that Series A round, did the investors want to see, you know, because seed, you hear a lot, you know, selling that story, selling the dressable market, you're, you're solving a big solution. But now with the Series A, did they need to see more data to support that round and to support your story in the form of maybe financials or customer signups or customer interactions? Yeah. So think about like that. In the seed round, they want to know that there is a good team that they believe in. Second, that there is a potential of idea that can be worth a lot at the future. That you have a problem that you, that you can uh, make good money at the end. But for the A1, definitely, they want to say that it's not only idea, that there are people that are willing to pay. You know, that at the beginning, it's like today, everyone can find funny people that say, ah, you know, this idea is cool and blah, blah, blah. But it's not the same, like putting the money while you're speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So for Dale, definitely people want to, investors want to see evidence, paying customers that say that they pay because they see the value and it's not like very small deals. It needs to be something that will show the potential for the future. Yeah. I appreciate that insight. And then Shai, based on where you are with the business right now, do you have a favorite number or metric that you're focused on? Like what? Oh, say like. MRR growth or AR growth or customer counts or, you know, use of the system, any, anything that, that you like to look at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're a SaaS company. So yeah. Yeah. Always a favorite. They are a growth. And yeah. so Shai, I really appreciate your experience and sharing your time today. So as we wrap up, what's coming up next for Trust Me that's new and exciting? Ah, a lot of things. So first we have a, a website so everyone can know who we are and what we are doing. And, but we start to do, to put our brand outside and people start to react to that. But basically growing the team, growing the, the solution, making sure that we're on the right track and making sure that our customers are protected and eliminate B2B payment for. Yeah. Love that. So if listeners would like to learn more about Trust Me and, and what you're doing with, with, uh, with the product, where should we send them online? Trust Me AI. That's it. All right. So it's trust me, but with an M-I dot A-I. So if, yeah. so if you'd like to learn more about Shy and what Trust Me is doing to protect your B2B payment flow, check out Trust Me with an M-I dot A-I to learn more. And Shy, really appreciate your time and sharing your experience and insights. Thank you. And last comment, I think that we are in a very different age. AI is everything, but it's also everything for the attacker side. 
So that's the new fight. AI vs AI. And in order to be able to protect your funds, you need a solution like us. That's a great point. So one more question here before we wrap up. So obviously we hear a ton about AI and writing blog posts and helping us and become more efficient, do things faster. But that's a great point. And for folks like me, not really involved in the cybersecurity arena, I guess you're saying like on the other side, you have hackers who are also using AI to help them, you know, find their way into, into corporate systems. Is that, is that right? Yeah, it's, it's totally that. Think about that. Till today, most of the organization, what they did, they educate the people, right? If someone going to send you a creepy email with a lot of mistakes and stuff like that, ignore it, right? It's, it's easy to detect. But first, those emails become much more sophisticated. Use ChatGPT. It crafted a very good email very easily. Second, they started to do deepfake, voice calls, video calls. It's really hard to notice those type of things. So even if you have process in place, but you are still using manual effort, you're vulnerable. And that's why we, I believe that that's the next battle. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's really interesting because I know we know as CFOs, we get all these different emails and, and trying to impersonate your boss or a support, you know, someone on your, your, your staff, but now upping the game for videos and, and, you know, like you said, faking the voice and all that stuff. So now CFOs, we've got to be even more aware and, and use trust, trust me to, to help with, with that protection. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> that's yeah. All right. We appreciate it. Shai. I really appreciate your time today. Check out trustme.ai to protect your B2B payments. And again, thanks for your time today. Thank you very much.